Here's another assignment from Professor Ken. Get help with becoming a child. When Zoe was seven, she asked who would be fighting in the war at the end of the world. Pam said, probably Arabs and Israelis. Which ones are the good guys, Zoe asked. After a moment of reflection, I said, I suspect there'll be good guys on both sides. Okay, she said, but who should we vote for? Now, I'm all for a bit of childhood indoctrination, but to risk asking a seven-year-old to take sides against anybody feels wrong. So, as my strongest desire as a parent is to help my kids hold on to their innocence as long as they can without endangering themselves. I sighed with relief when she said, if Texas was one of the teams, would we vote for them or wouldn't we? Well, I said, who would the other team be? Los Angeles. So we should vote for Los Angeles, right? How I love that girl. While I was writing The Biggest Liar in Los Angeles, which is set in the 1920s, Zoe and I watched Chinatown. Not set in the 20s, but close from this perspective. Of course, I had to send my little girl out of the room a few times and get creative with certain explanations. Zoe's questions and observations entertained me nearly as much as the movie did. When, during a drought, Jake the detective follows Hollis Munray, Mulray, excuse me, to the coast and sits on a rocky cliff watching while Mulray observes water pour out of the storm drains. Zoe got scared for Jake because she saw a dinosaur hiding in the rocks, which puts a great film into a whole new light. We have a flexible one hour a day time limit on television watching. Zoe asked if movies counted the same as TV shows. I said, if it's a good movie, longer is okay. I remarked that a half hour of SpongeBob might be plenty, while two hours of Mary Poppins seems reasonable. Zoe said, yeah, because SpongeBob shows us his underwear and Mary Poppins doesn't. The moral... If you haven't quite mastered being a child and haven't got a seven-year-old to watch movies with, borrow one. And perhaps most importantly, find out what your life means. If your life doesn't demand a supernatural explanation, you haven't earned the right to be heard, Stephen Oldford wrote. When I came across this quote, it struck me as awfully true. I've often asked myself, why in heck should anybody care about my stories? And I've read a lot of books and some even enjoyed and asked myself at the end, why did I waste my time reading that? Did I learn anything from it? Did it change me in any way? Was it beautiful enough to lift my spirit? Did it move me to do something good? Our stories are commonly sparked by events we've witnessed or lived through or by people we've known or seen or heard of. The people or events often prompt our curiosity, 
We want to know more, so we write stories about them, and we bring other personal or vicarious experiences into the stories. And if we've been honest, by the end, we have become more enlightened. When I was 17, my best friend Eric died in a car crash after making prophetic remarks about his death. Ever since I've been writing about him in one disguise or another, not about his actual life, but about what might have been had he kept living. And in doing so, I've come slightly closer to satisfying my curiosity about some mysteries his real life posed. During the early 70s, I was at a party in Kings Beach on the shore of Lake Tahoe. On one side of the room was a group of folks smoking marijuana and guzzling beer. On the other side was a Bible study in progress. In the middle of the room stood a girl who looked troubled. She kept glancing back and forth from one group to the other. After minutes of obvious dismay and confusion, she ran out of the house and straight down the road and jumped into the cold lake wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Being a snoop and a writer, I had followed her. That event became the germ of a story, and she became the model for the main character of my novel, Midheaven. Midheaven also concerned some of the conflicts I had experienced while searching for my place in God's kingdom. Through telling the story, I came closer to fathoming the, fathoming the reasons why God allows the trials we encounter. And I hope some readers got the same benefit. If I didn't suspect there could be a supernatural explanation for the things I have lived through and seen, I might still write stories, but none of them would even begin to set anybody free. Me, least of all.